Two out of three falls. Graham Matthews, Bleacher Report. My man, how you doing? Doing phenomenal as always, Randy. And how can you not? We're just three days out, or four days, I guess. When we're talking right now, it feels like three days. But four days out from WrestleMania, I'll be there. Other people will be watching around the world, or we'll be there too. Either way, I think it's gonna look. It's looking like a good card on paper. I'm extremely excited. I know today also marks two special anniversaries. I'll be talking about, but how can you not be pumped up right now? Is my question. Well, you said you're you're doing phenomenal. Are you doing more phenomenal than uh, the phenomenal AJ Styles? <laughs> That's the real question. Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, he's facing Shane, so maybe not so much. But we'll see on Sunday. I guess. I guess we'll find out then. This is a new edition of Two Out of Three Falls podcast. You can find myself, Randy Cruz, on Twitter at Randy J Cruz, R E N D Y, the letter J C R U Z. You can find Graham on Twitter at Russell Rant. He's from Bleacher Report and the host of Russell Rant. Radio, so go ahead and check them out. You can find us on SoundCloud and iTunes, soundcloud.com slash two out of three falls, as well as soundcloud.com slash cruise control podcast. Give us a, a shout, a rating, a, a review um, on iTunes. So we definitely need that feedback and appreciate all the uh, support the fans have given us for the podcast. So uh, before we start, Graham. You know, I've been doing the trivia question for people to, to win a DVD. We're, we're two and three. I did it three times. I did a show earlier in the week, and I, either they just don't know the answer or don't <laughs> feel like responding. But uh, the first two, we we I gave away the ECW unreleased DVD the first time. Then I gave away to your boy RJ the, the rise and the fall of WCW. So... Um, I did a question on yesterday's show. Now, I'm not too sure if you want to answer it. If you know it, if, if you do, go ahead. But I said the question was for yesterday, not today. For yesterday was, what WrestleMania did Triple H debut the King of Kings theme song? Ooh, that's a good question. I'm going to go. And nobody got that. As of now, wow, that's, that's actually a great question. I'm trying to think off the top of my head. I know he came out to my time at WrestleMania 2000. I know that for a fact. Uh-huh. Um, the King of Kings, not time to play the game. Is that correct? Right. Um, yeah, I'll go 22. 22. There you go. Against John Cena. Oh, shit. Okay. Yeah, lucky guess there, I guess. There you go. <laughs> Would you like a free DVD, Graham? <laughs> Oh, why not? Why not? I'm, I'm a huge DVD guy. I know uh, RJ had good taste in the Rise and Fall and WCW DVD. That, that's a great pickup. I missed from Marceau right there. All right, there you go. WrestleMania 22. But now, the new one for today. Now we're in. You know, we're in the WrestleMania mode. WrestleMania season. Goldberg is involved. He's a Universal Champion. All likelihood, he will be in the main event. So I figured, why not do something revolving around Goldberg? Pretty easy. So those of you who hear this uh, show. If you know the answer, write me a gram or both of us on Twitter at Randy J. Cruz and Russell Rant, the first one to write us with the correct answer. You'll get a free DVD uh, from the picture that I put out on Twitter. So uh, Goldberg debuted in the WWE in 2003. Um, his first match was at what pay-per-view? There you go. Do you know that answer, Graham? Goldberg's first WrestleMania or first pay-per-view? First 
pay-per-view match he had when he debuted in 2003? Ooh, that's that's a good question. I think don't I think answer, RJ might jump it. on that one. We were literally just talking about this like a, like a week or so ago. Wow. Um, but that's a great question to ask with the fact that he's main eventing WrestleMania on Sunday. So I like that question quite a bit. Hey, RJ, let somebody else win, all right? <laughs> I can't hog up all the DVDs. Exactly. Uh, yeah, RJ, go ahead and, and enjoy the WCW rise and fall of WCW DVD. Um, anyway, Graham, before we get to WrestleMania 33 and the predictions, we do have two anniversaries to talk about. Obviously, the main one being uh, the 30th anniversary of what many what many fans consider to be the greatest top three, top five WrestleMania of all time, and that's WrestleMania 3. 30 years ago, March 29th, 1987. So we're going all the way back to the 80s. Um, I was four years old at the time, and um, obviously I'm not watching wrestling. I don't know what's going on. So, But as you grow up, you kind of hear of Hogan Andre. You hear Macho Steamboat, Intercontinental Championship. You hear 93,000 people, Pontiac Silverdome. And as you grow up and you watch it on VHS tapes and and, and learn about the the main event and everything, you kind of you kind of just take back of what you of what you saw and how monumental that WrestleMania was at that time for the company and going forward. Before we get into really uh, logistics, um, what is what is the legacy of WrestleMania three thirty years later? I mean, just simply put, the fact that it changed the business. It sounds cliche, but without that WrestleMania, would wrestling really be where it is right now? I mean, you look at all the highlights from that show. It's, I mean, of course, it's subjective in terms of where it ranks amongst the greatest of all time. But it's hard to argue with that when you look at, okay, maybe not the greatest matches of all time, but moments. I mean, it did have one of the greatest matches of all time. Um, I, I know when we talked about this last week with today marking the 30-year anniversary of Hogan and Andre at WrestleMania 3. Mm-hmm. I had completely forgotten. I don't know how I did, but I had completely forgotten until you tweeted earlier today um, that today also marks from that show the 30-year anniversary of Macho Man Randy Savage versus Ricky Steamboat for the IC Championship. Just one of the greatest matches, period, on that same show. And, of course, um, breaking the record, the attendance record of 90,000 people, uh, the largest WWE attendance record ever up until WrestleMania 32 last year. So, yeah, I mean, again, without that WrestleMania, would wrestling be where it is today? I'm sure it is, but I'm sure wrestling would still exist, obviously, but I'm not sure um, wrestling would be the exact same way that it is today, I guess, to answer my own question, just considering the fact that Hogan slamming Andre, and Hogan was already a star. It didn't solidify him as a star. It was really just a moment that kind of furthered Hulkamania that much more. Yeah, and, and you know, even recently, the WWE dot com did their top thirty three uh, WrestleMania matches, and Macho Man Steamboat was at number two, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and I, and I guess you know it, it's amazing how a match from thirty years ago at a WrestleMania can still be in someone's top two, top three, and it was in the match was for the intercontinental championship it wasn't for the world championship and or just a, a mega one-on-one match it was for the IC title and people like me and you and, and other fans just just wish that the IC title can be somewhat remotely near uh, of how epic it was back then 30 years ago to to now where it can be 
prestigious and you're and the IC belt can go go on, on on a main event, maybe not a WrestleMania, but one of these other pay-per-views. It kind of had that bring that prestige back to the forefront and then see what in seeing what Macho and Steamboat did at that time. I think that match was um that match was ahead of his time with the planning with the back and forth, with the false finishes, and you hear the stories of how Macho Man really laid out the match on paper, a, a, a whole bunch of pages of the, the moves and went to do it, laying laying the whole match out with, with, with Steamboat and, and what they put on in that 14, 15-minute time frame was an epic classic. And at that time, you probably don't, you probably say, oh, this, this match was great, but as time went on, you know, it's still a match that you can watch today. And again, Hogan Andre, the the body slam kind of overtakes that moment for being the pinnacle of WrestleMania 3. But when you look at it, the Macho Man Steamboat was the main event, was the best match on the card of over 12, 13 matches, whatever it was. And people still recall that match today. Not even being one of the best WrestleMania matches, it's one of the best matches in pro wrestling history. And still... 30 years later, still probably the greatest Intercontinental Championship match we've, we've ever had. I would have to agree. I mean, like you said, the title just does not mean the same. It does not mean just as much as it did 30 years ago. I mean, there have been times where it's been escalated to a point where it came close, you know, five years later, main eventing WrestleMania with the WWE Championship, Warrior and Hogan at, uh, at WrestleMania 6. You have, you know, even The Miz just recently as him, uh, last year, really bringing new eyes to that championship and kind of bringing it to another level for the first time in many, many years. Um, but yeah, I mean, again, it's it's hard to say. I mean, I guess you can watch a match as it's happening and say, okay, this might be remembered as one of the greatest of all time. I'm sure people thought about that, thought that about, you know, Taker and Michaels from WrestleMania 25, which is definitely up there in the conversation of greatest mini matches ever. You know, just greatest matches, period. Um, but I think you do have to allow time to pass to really say, okay, that cemented its spot in history in terms of what came out of it. I mean, a great match is a great match, but in my opinion, you know, historically, or do people look back on it as a stepping stone or a, you know, a, a bookmark in, in WWE history that people will go back to the fact that it changed things, not only for that intercontinental championship, I know steamboat was gone shortly thereafter, but right. I mean, you look at, Randy Savage, the very next year, going on to win the WWE Championship, his first ever WWE title, in the main event of the show. Um, so, yeah, I would have to agree. One of, if not the greatest uh, match of all time, right up there with uh, Taker and Michaels from WrestleMania 25. And to, to think it's been 30 years, three decades since that pay-per-view is just... I wasn't even alive, not even close to being alive. I was not even 10 years, <laughs> negative 10 years old at that point, which is incredible to think about, but Again, the fact that it's been that long since it's happened is just amazing. And hopefully we see Hogan back in WWE at some point. Um, maybe even as soon as this Sunday, 30 years after WrestleMania 3, mm. uh, just to commemorate the occasion. So we don't expect Goldberg, Brock Lesnar to be on the same page with Macho Steamboat, are we? <laughs> oh, I could be. No, I'm just kidding. Now it's going to be shit. <laughs> um, we're, we're talking WrestleMania 3, 30-year anniversary with uh, Graham Matthews of Bleacher Report. WrestleMania three, the pinnacle of sports entertainment. It was the height of the golden age where you have Macho Man, Hulk Hogan, Andre the Giant, Roddy Piper still involved, uh, the King, Harley Race, Ricky Steamboat, Hart Foundation, the list goes on and on. And now it's like, 
even like you said, you you kind of think back thirty years, like man, look at that talent they, that that they had. And I was, they did WrestleMania one, um, here in New York at the Garden, and it did great. Dan McMahon goes to New York again, Chicago, L.A. for WrestleMania two, and he's like, all right, that was that was even better. How can we top one and two for WrestleMania three? And McMahon, the the divisionist guy that he is and he was, um, really wanted to make the WWF at the time be the highlight of sports entertainment and to fill that Pontiac Silverdome. I'm not too sure how old it was at the time, but that was a big stadium to fill up and wrestling was at its, that was the peak of, of the, of the WWF at that time. And to fill it, 93,000 people in that stadium and pull up the, the video Titan Tron above the screen. So people who have higher seats can watch the, the, the matches having the, 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 the carts bring out the performance down, down the aisle. It was a very, at that time, a very well done production by the WWF and, Maybe we haven't seen anything like that since. I know we, you know, right now McMahon always goes to the um, the stadiums for WrestleMania. We haven't had an indoor WrestleMania since I think 22. So we're looking at uh, over 10 years of uh, stadiums for WrestleMania. So um, I think WrestleMania just just set the bar um, for how they would operate going forward. There, there was no WCW at the time. There's no Monday Night War. So it was it's basically all them and. Anybody who doesn't put WrestleMania three in the top three, top five WrestleManias of all time, of course, people will say, "Well, it's only Hulk and Andre and Macho Steamboat," but they had some pretty decent matches on on the remainder of the card. But I think, it's f- without a doubt, a top three, top five WrestleMania of all time. Easily, I mean, when you you just kind of said it right there, and the fact that always oh, a really top five, top three WrestleMania. Without you know Hogan, Andre, and, and Steamboat Savage, people remember those two matches thirty years later. If you went to any other WrestleMania, by and large, okay, so WrestleMania thirteen, let's say, I know we talked about that last week. Right. Um, Austin and Bret Hart. I mean, no one can really, no one else. I mean, I'm sure people that are diehard fans can tell you, but I mean, for the most part, a, a typical average fan, they couldn't tell you one match that happened on that show. What happened to WrestleMania eight? Uh, I don't know. I mean, you know, like a lot of these WrestleManias are very forgettable. Mm-hmm. For better or for worse, mostly for the better, these two matches have stood the test of time. Um, and I think, you know, it's, it's one of those few WrestleManias that people look back on and can say those two big mega matches, not even on like, not even one of them, let alone one of them, it would have been one of the better WrestleManias, but two, both matches that are still talked about, discussed, people watch it all these years later. Um, it's one of those few WrestleManias that has those two mega matches for a lot of the WrestleManias and especially in recent years that like, I can't tell you one big match that happened at WrestleMania, you know, 26 or, you know, 20, 27, I guess 26 is pretty, uh, pretty decent show. So that's not a good example, but 27, like Cena Miz, other than that, like that, that match sucked, but other than that, that wasn't a good show. So yeah, I think WrestleMania 33 or three rather, hopefully 33 is a good show, but WrestleMania three, um, really you know, you kind of said it right there, like I said, with those two matches being discussed all these years later, as I said, standing the test of time. And to be fair, um, I know we went through the card for WrestleMania 13 last week. So to be fair, we're going to go just I'm going to let people know what the card was for WrestleMania three. We, we have 
14 matches for this Sunday, and and they had 12 for WrestleMania 3. Obviously, we know Hogan Andre. We know Macho Man Steamboat. What else we had on WrestleMania 3? Here we go. We had the can and and I, I want you to, to let me know if you remember the match, you remember the performance, if you've never seen a match, whatever. The can am connection with Rick Martel and somebody called Tom Zenk defeated Bob Orton and Don Morocco with Mr. Fuji. That's on the card. <laughs> no memory of that whatsoever, honestly. I know Martel, I know Bob Orton, I know Morocco, don't mm. know Tom Zenk. Um Billy Jack Haynes against Hercules with Bobby Heenan. Kind of. I remember Hercules being involved. I don't remember his opponent, though. Billy Haynes. I've heard of Billy Jack Haynes. I don't, I don't recall seeing him perform. Uh, Hercules, yes, I do remember. Um, Hillbilly Jim, Haiti Kid, and Little Beaver defeated King Kong Bundy, Little Tokyo, and Lord Littlebrook. <laughs> yeah, I, I do remember that match. I'm sure, I'm actually shocked that took place in that show. I thought that was another WrestleMania, but that's another match. I mean, granted, is that a five star Mac Classic? No, not at all. I mean, none of these matches really were back then, other than maybe Steamboat and Savage. But I mean, it was still a memorable, fun undercard match. So yeah, I mean, I, I do remember that match actually. All right, the King Holly Race defeated the Junkyard Dog. That I remember too. Yeah, in a loser must bow match. Okay. Oh, that was yeah. When that was when Harley Race had just won King of the Ring in '85. Yep, yep, yep. That was, yeah, I remember that. All right, we have the Dream Team, considered of Greg Valentine and Brutus Beefcake, defeated the Rougeau brothers, Jacques Rougeau and Raymond Rougeau. No, I don't remember that, but that sounds like a good match. The Rougeau brothers were really good, so I don't remember the match exactly, but I'm sure it was a good match, though. And for those who don't recall, Jacques Rougeau became what? After that, you know I'm talking Shock about. Shock Rougeau? Yeah, he oh, was in the Mountie. There you go. The Mountie. There you go. There we go. Um, Roddy, <laughs> Roddy Piper defeated Adrian Adonis in a hair versus yes, hair Yes, that's match. when he shaved his... Uh, yeah, I, I do remember. Yeah, isn't that when he shaved his head afterwards? I think so. <laughs> I think so. I, I'm not exactly sure, but I do remember the match. That was after Piper went back to being a baby face. I'm pretty sure. The Hart Foundation and Dangerous Danny Davis defeated the British Bulldogs and Tito Santana. Don't really remember the match, but it sounds like a good match, though. Yeah, I. that's one match I, I want to see. Um, it'll be Hart Foundation and the British Bulldogs. Butch Reed defeated Coco Beware. Nope, sounds like a complete throwaway, though. I'm sure it lasted a minute or two. Uh, three minutes and 39 seconds to be exact. <laughs> there you go. Um, yeah, Ricky Steamboat, man, uh, Macho Man, 14 minutes and 35 seconds, which is the most time uh, match on the card. After that, the Honky Tonk Man, Jake the Snake Roberts. Yes, of course, that was obviously when. Oh, no, wait, is that when he was in our Carnival Champion? No, I don't think no. so, right? No, 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 no. Not yet, no. He wouldn't win the belt until like a year or two later. But uh, that match does sound familiar, though. The Iron Sheik and Nikolai Volkov defeated the Killer Bees. Sounds familiar. Don't remember the match. A lot of tag matches on this card. One, two, three, four, five tag matches at at, uh, WrestleMania 3. 
Yeah, that was like the peak of tag team wrestling. I know you said earlier that was like the peak of the WWF at that point. I would also argue that was also the peak of tag team wrestling. Probably the best it's ever been, to be quite honest with you. Right. And again, WrestleMania three was held in the Pontiac Silverdome before we go into the other anniversary. Um, the Silverdome, not to be confused by the Superdome, unlike Hulk Hogan. Um, the Silverdome, it closed in 2013. Um, the the 93,173 people who showed up at WrestleMania 3 was the largest recorded attendance for a live indoor sporting event in North America. Um, that stood until 2010 when the NBA All-Star Game went to Cowboy Stadium with over 108,713 people. So there you go. Shit, yeah, that's an amazing record that stood... You said 2010. Right. So what's that, 20, 25 years? That's a long fucking time. That's incredible. Uh, yeah, I think 20, 20, 23 years that stood for the largest indoor record in North America. And, and obviously, WrestleMania 32 broke the the WWE WrestleMania record for the largest indoor crowd with however many people they had at a Cowboy Stadium last year. So uh, WrestleMania 3. Top three, top five WrestleManias of all time. And on that card, you have, if not the best, you have one of the top three matches in WrestleMania history with the Macho Man Randy Savage against Ricky Steamboat for the Intercontinental Championship. If you've never seen that match, this is why they had the network. Go back, check it out, and see just a prolific Matt Classic between Macho Man and Ricky Steamboat. So we transition to... Another anniversary, not big number like 30 or 25, but we have the 19-year anniversary of WrestleMania 14. And it's amazing that March 29th, we had WrestleMania 3 be the pinnacle of the company, and we have WrestleMania 14 be the beginning of what many people say it was the beginning of the Attitude Era. And Stone Cold Shawn Michaels was the main event, with Mike Tyson as the special enforcer. We'll get into the other um, other matches on the card, but what do you remember most? Maybe aside from Stone Cold's match, what do you recall most from WrestleMania 14? That's what I was going to say. I mean, I'm not huge on the year of 98. I mean, I know it was like the beginning of the Attitude Era, but just in terms of like, I mean, it, it's, it's hard to say. I mean, this is just personal taste here. I don't like watching back those manias just because it, it feels like to me, they're one match shows. And I told you this last week, like with 13, it's Hart and Austin, which we talked about a week ago. On this show, it's Austin and Michaels. At, uh, at 15, it was Rock and Austin. And the rest of the card, I mean, it's not a bad show. For the time, at the time, it seemed like it was great, I'm sure. Compared to today, it's not that amazing. A lot of the matches are complete throwaway. I mean, other than the main event, though, I would have to say, obviously, Taker and Kane, um, who had their first ever match and kind of kicked off a one of the most storied feuds in WWE history, which was actually a pretty decent match for what it was worth. Um, after the amazing build they had for the five, six months leading up to that show. Um, other than that, I know like they had all the, I don't know if that was before or after like Los Bariquas and all that other shit, like nation of domination. Um, I think that was after that. I'm not exactly sure, but just, I, I just remember like all these bad stables every time I think of like 98, and shit like that. But other than the main event, though, I think the first match that comes to mind, though, as I said, is Taker and Kane. Well, then, let's go through the card. Eight matches for WrestleMania 14. Eight matches. Um, 
LOD 2000 with Sonny. Um, oh, the, oh, Battle Royal to determine the number one contenders for the Tag Team Championship. LOD 2000 won by eliminating the new Midnight Express with Bombastic Bob and Bodacious Bart. <laughs> Shit, yeah, that, that just kind of speaks yeah. for itself, I believe. All right, we have Taka Michinoku defeated Aguila for the WWF Light Heavyweight Championship. Light Heavyweight Championship. That was uh, that was down that was bound to die a death. That it was never going to last. The light Heavyweight Division obviously being a rip off of WCW's Cruiserweight Division which never took off. Triple H defeated Owen Hart uh WWF European Championship. His, I think, his third WrestleMania for Triple H and one of Owen Hart's last. And that was actually a pretty good match at the Endicard match. I completely forgot about that, but that was pretty decent. Yeah, I think that was with, uh, with China threw the powder in uh, Owen Hart's face and Hunter got the pedigree or something like that. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, well, well wasn't a bad match, but this is like the beginning, I guess, so, semi-beginning of... We we go away from calling Triple H Hunter Hearst Helmsley now. We're just dubbing him uh, Triple H. What else we got? Mark Merrow and Sable defeated the artist formerly known as known as Goldust and Luna Vachon. I remember that match. It was complete shit. I mean, Sable sucked. I know she was super over, but she was absolutely awful in the ring. This was not a good match. But I think this was towards the end of her run. Mm-hmm. With Mero before she ditched him, um, so the match that I, I know that we were already teasing tension, but I, I don't really remember that much about it. But I do remember the match. I just remember it not being all that good. We have The Rock defending his Intercontinental Championship against Ken Shamrock. That was the match. It was a good match, but the weird thing about the match was that it ended in a DQ, yeah. and the weird thing was that they did the same exact finish at the Rumble, like, a couple months earlier, and I just remember thinking after watching that meeting, like, why did they do that? So, again, good match. It was just a really weird finish. We have Cactus Jack and Chainsaw Charlie against the New Age Outlaws in a dumpster match for the Tag Team Championship. I do remember that match. Yeah, that was that was something innovative. I gave them credit for that. They made the most of it, and, of course, that was the night before. Um, just as iconic the next night when the you know the next form of D Generation X debuted with X Pac returning and then uh, New Age Outlaws joining them as well. Yeah, and that uh, old school blue steel cage match. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, the old blue steel cage. Um, as you said, Undertaker defeated Kane. Uh, yeah, I, I think that was um, you know they started everything off at Bad Blood, um, and. They, I, I don't think it culminated at WrestleMania uh, 14. I think that I think their match at Unforgiven a month after that in the Inferno match was better than 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 this one. Oh, easily. I mean, they would have better matches down the line. Um, that Inferno match was pretty great. I think it just kind of tends to be forgotten just because it wasn't the WrestleMania match. In the WrestleMania match, I might be wrong on this. I feel like I might be. Um, but I think it might have marked the first time that anyone ever kicked out of the tombstone, which I find hard to believe because he had been around for like eight years at that point, Undertaker. But I know King kicked out of it twice, and he had to deliver three of them, Taker did. But I, I don't think any – I'm trying to think of anyone else prior to that point that would have kicked out of it, and I can't think of anybody. So that might have been like a big moment when that happened. I'd have to watch it back to, to, to see if the commentary team brought it up. 
And of course, Stone Cold Steve Austin and the Heartbreak Kid Shawn Michaels for the WWF Championship uh, with Mike Tyson as special outside enforcer. Just a great match. I mean, I still say their match at King of the Ring was better about, I think, about a year earlier. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, this was still a really good match. Better than anything else on the show, obviously. And it, it, it's just an iconic match. I mean, you talk about WrestleMania three, and with this match, it's you're right. It, it's weird because, and then I guess the same thing happened with Andre because Andre, Andre was gone a couple years after that match took place at WrestleMania three, like really quickly afterwards. This match was the immediate departure of Shawn Michaels, his final match in four and a half, five years, and the fact he was able to put together a good match. I mean, like I said, I thought the King of the Ring match was better about a year earlier, but the guy was already on his way out. He had a hurt back. He was obviously nearing the end of his career at this point. So the fact he was able to put together that good of a match at that stage of his career is super impressive. So, And then you know Austin winning kicked off his rise to superstardom. So an iconic match in more ways than one. Yeah, so little little tidbits on this WrestleMania. Um, as you mentioned, Shawn Michaels would perform here. This, this is 1998, WrestleMania 14. He would not participate at a WrestleMania until five years later at WrestleMania 19 against Chris Jericho in Seattle. So, you know, we don't – I know he came back at SummerSlam of 02 against Triple H, but uh, he did not return to WrestleMania until uh, WrestleMania 19 in 03. So five years without seeing good old Mr. WrestleMania HBK was um, – it felt a little weird, felt a little different, but at the same time, you're getting Stone Cold in the main event. You're getting The Rock. You're getting Triple H. You're getting, you know, Mick Foley in these main events. You're getting, um, uh, you know, who else was it? Uh, Jericho in 02. You get the return of, of, of Hollywood Hulk Hogan. So, yeah, you don't get Shawn Michaels uh, for four years, but, you know, I know with the back injury, that, that really de- de- abil- uh, whatever you call that word, Debilitated him. Debilitating, yeah. There you go. Uh, from the match with Taker at the at, at the Royal Rumble in '98. So just seeing him back in '03 or even '02 against Hunter and '03 back at WrestleMania was just a great sight to see. Because even when he left, and you know, for those who see the videos and, and documentaries, like Sean was pretty much pissed off of how things went. We see the image of him kicking the door when talking to Shane McMahon and how things went, and Sean was just not at a very very happy place uh, in in his life. So uh, just seeing him getting back on track was just a great sight to see. And I think WrestleMania 14, it really, it really depended on how that match would go with the inclusion of Mike Tyson. And this is where the company was battling WTW like hand and foot, right? You know, you know, neck and neck for the ratings. And I think this was the pinnacle pay-per-view that kind of, started to, to, to make the tide turn into the favor of WWF. And and Tyson was the guy at that time who was who was the most polarizing figure in, in, in all of sports and entertainment. And Bischoff did say that once he saw Tyson go to, go to McMahon, he was like, oh, all right, this is, this, 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 this is going to get good. It's going to get interesting. And I think... I think they figured. I think they figured it out to kind of get more raunchy, to get more extreme, to get more different than than the the product that they were putting out before. So, without Mike Tyson, I don't know how how monumental this would be. But I'm glad he was involved. And the whole punch with Shawn Michaels at the end, we get Jim Ross saying Tyson, 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 and 
Him walking out with Stone Cold with the Austin 316 shirt when he had the DX shirt on in the beginning. The whole storyline was was phenomenal. The build was phenomenal, and everybody thought Mike Tyson was DX. And at the end, at the end of the night, he was really down with Stone Cold Steve Austin. It was just a. It was really just a result of perfect timing with everyone involved. Like I said, Austin was on his way to the top of the WWE and winning the championship. There was first ever WWE title. A year removed from that breakout performance against Bret Hart at WrestleMania 13, and then you had Shawn Michaels leaving, putting over the new star on his way out. And then Mike Tyson serving as the special guest referee. Like you said, the build, the buzz it created, the energy from the audience, the moment it created with him knocking out Shawn Michaels, which again is still replayed to this day. It's just incredible. So everything about this moment match is really, I mean, the the age of Austin kicked off with this match. I told you last week, I mean, I guess you can argue it started with the Bret Hart match at WrestleMania 13. But I mean, that iconic call from Jim Ross, where he said the era of Austin has begun, or whatever it was. I'm just kind of uh, paraphrasing. But still, this was really the crowning achievement of Stone Cold Steve Austin kicking off his long-awaited feud with Mr. McMahon, which had already kind of started like in late 97. But with him as the champion, they were trying to get the title off of him, which kicked off a great reign with the championship. So, um, again, just everything about this was just perfect timing, perfect execution. And I really don't think there's any debate as to, fa- as to the fact that Mike Tyson is probably the greatest use of a celebrity in WrestleMania history. I'm trying to think of anyone else ever that they brought in that they used to this extent, that, that played such a big role at WrestleMania. That, I mean, other, I guess that other than Donald Trump at WrestleMania 23, that led to the biggest buy rate of all time back in, you know, 10 years ago. Again, another, another pay-per-view that doesn't feel like it was 10 years ago. But um, other than Trump, I would have to say... Mike Tyson, because like you said, it really turned the favor, you know, it turned the tides in the favor of the WWF. Um, so again, everything about this was just perfect. Build, aftermath, the moment, execution was just perfect. There's really no other way to describe it. And like Jim Ross said, it, it was, you know, the, the Austin era has begun, and, and that's, the, that's the voice, that's the image you see in every montage for, for WrestleMania, him holding the belt. Jim Ross in the background, the Austin era has begun. And most people look at this as the beginning, the official beginning of the Attitude Era, even though we had sprinkles of Bretton and Stone Cold in their match. Um, the Austin 316 speech, the Montreal screw job, but this match and this event, um, many people look at this as the official start to for the for the um the Attitude Era in. And I think wrestling hasn't been the same since, man. When you had them and WCW go at it every Monday night and see what they're going to do and we get the the um, more highlights from the McMahon-Austin rivalry, them fighting whatever one-on-one with Austin uh, hands tied behind his back and that, that Raw was the first Raw in a long time to beat Nitro in the ratings and after that, once they figured it out... Um, you know, it, again, it was it was Stone Cold. We get the new DX the, the following night on Raw with Hunter, um, X-Pac, and the Outlaws. Taker's character changes. Um, the Rock is, is on an all-time high. He becomes heel later on um, in that year. Mankind is, is a figure in the main event. Triple H is a figure in the main event. And they just never stopped. And you figure what? The Attitude Era was a three, four, four, three, four year period, and and I think everything starts with WrestleMania fourteen. I would say so. I mean, I know we said last week with WrestleMania thirteen that kind of unofficially kicked off the Attitude Era, 
But I would say this was the peak is like you said, and I feel like with any WrestleMania, it should feel like a culmination, but at the same time, like a year's worth of storylines, but at the same time, it should feel like the beginning of a new era. And that's exactly what this was with Stone Cold winning, becoming, uh, you know, the, the, the WWE champion for the first time ever going into raw the next night as champion with a debut of the new DX X-Pac being back and all this other stuff, the rise of the rock, the rise of triple H and all the other shit that happened throughout the rest of 1998, um, th- th- this was it. This is where it really all can be traced back to with Kane being a prominent figure as well, Undertaker. So I think this was really the peak of the attitude, not in terms of ratings and shit, obviously, but um, really the roots of the attitude era can be traced back to this one match. And you know, one thing before we go to WrestleMania 33, you know what else can signify with WrestleMania 14, Graham? And when I tell you, you'll probably be like, oh, you know, you're right. Um, WrestleMania 14 was the last time we saw the Winged Eagle Championship belt. Is that so? 15? What did 15 that? Did did WrestleMania 15 have a different championship? No, because when Stone Cold won the belt that night, he had the the old school Winged Eagle Eagle belt. The next night on Raw, he, he came down with it. And that's where McMahon had to hand that kind of bigger blue, navy blue strap kind of belt. Oh, shit. I completely forgot about that. Oh, that's another reason as to why this was the beginning of a new era. Oh, my God. You're right. Yeah, I completely forgot about that. And I love that belt. If that belt was to ever come back, by all means, I let me sign somewhere. But I was always a fan of that belt. It was, <laughs> it was, it was more traditional, old school. If they can bring back the old school Intercontinental Championship belt, they can bring back the the winged eagle belt, but you know times change. We get older, and we we, we gotta you know evolve with the times. But um, yeah, so WrestleMania 14 was the last time we saw the winged eagle belt um, on TV. So there you go. Stone Cold was the last man to have that belt. Damn, that's. I mean, I guess it's pretty fitting the fact that that belt was held by so many greats, including Hulk Hogan. And the fact that Stone Cold Steve Austin was the last one to hold it is pretty fitting. So I will say that much. So, Graham, here we are, WrestleMania 33. You're going to WrestleMania this Sunday. Also, NXT on Saturday, fan access. You can have a good time. I think you're heading out Friday. Um, you as a fan, matter of fact, before we do that, this will be number what of WrestleManias you've attended? Number one, baby. Number one number WrestleMania. One. First ever WrestleMania on Sunday for me. And the fact that I've been a fan... The funny thing is that I've been a fan for only nine years. I've only been watching since 2008. Um, but the first WrestleMania, I mean, I started in April of 2008, but I remember seeing previews for WrestleMania 24, which coincidentally enough took place at the Citrus Bowl, which is where WrestleMania is this Sunday, where I will be for WrestleMania. And nice. I just remember watching the previews and wanting to buy the show or wanting to watch the show and then finding out it was on pay-per-view and the fact that it was fucking 50, 60 bucks. I didn't, I didn't watch it, obviously. Uh-huh. But the funny thing is that the, the tagline for that show was like, oh, wish you were here. And it's like now nine years later, getting to go to my first ever WrestleMania, just the perfect culmination nine years later. So, yeah, my first ever WrestleMania. Almost went to 29. I know you went to that one. That was four years ago. Probably the closest Mania ever got to me at MetLife in New York. For whatever reason, I just did not go. I'm not sure why, thinking back on it now. But I'm glad this will be my first one on Sunday, though. Yeah, man. WrestleMania is back in Orlando. First time since 2008. Uh, 
Real quick, that was WrestleMania 24. We saw Sean and Ric Flair retirement match. We saw Randy Orton uh, walk out as champion, walk in and out as champion. Taker beat Edge, just off the top of my head. Um, WrestleMania 24. I'm trying to remember what else happened at 24 without looking. But I guess if you want to talk no punk. Oh, I was gonna say punk won Money in the Bank that night for the first. I know he won it the second time so. the next year. I just watched the show back like a week or so ago. That's the only reason why I know. But it was it was a pretty good show. I mean, they had that match. They had Money in the Bank, which was awesome. They had JBL and Finley, which doesn't sound like a good match on paper at all, but it was actually a really good opener. Uh, they had a Playboy Money match or a Playboy Media match with Snoop Dogg, which fucking sucked. But wow. I mean, it was exactly what you would expect it to be. But yeah, I mean, the card up and down. You just said it right there. Ric Flair, Shawn Michaels, Edge and The Undertaker, Triple H, Orton Cena, and the triple threat for the WWE title. Up and down, I would say definitely one of the more underrated manias, WrestleManias in recent memory, because that was a really good show top to bottom. Yeah, I'm trying Big to... show Mayweather, too. How can I forget about that? Oh, my God. I knew I, knew I forgot something. Yeah, uh, looking at it, Taker, Edge, Floyd, Big Show, Orton, Cena, Triple H, Beth Phoenix and Melina against Maria and Ashley, Shawn Michaels, Ric Flair, Kane defeated Chavo. Oh, yeah, that was the 11-second ECW title match. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yep. um, Batista, Umaga in a, a, a cross-brand uh, versus brand match. Uh, you mentioned CM Punk won the Money in the Bank ladder match. Um, and JBL defeated Finley in a Belfast brawl. Ten matches. Yeah, like I said, one of the better WrestleManias in the past decade, I would say, anyway. All right, man, here we go. WrestleMania 33. Let me get the card out. Prediction time. You can follow Graham on Twitter at Russell Ranch. You can follow me, Randy Cruz, on Twitter at Randy J. Cruz, R-E-N-D-Y-J-C-R-U-Z. And the pre-show matches, uh, I guess it's out there now. Um, Alexa Bliss, Becky Lynch, Natalia, Mickey James, Carmella, and now Naomi for the six-pack challenge women's championship match for SmackDown. Who do you got? I think it was officially announced yesterday with Naomi's return that right. I think this is now just a six-pack challenge. Of course, the original billing was the fact that anyone that's eligible could compete for the championship in, the, in this match, whether it be like a returning Naomi or even Marie, who I heard might be done with the company as of this past week. Yeah. That they might not be renewing her contract when it expires, um, which was interesting. But, I mean, I, I guess I heard they might be bringing back, like, a Maria or a Victoria or a Kelly Kelly or E for this match. I think that might they might be used for something else involving Nikki Bella. We'll get to that later. But, um, yeah, as far as this match goes, I got to go with Naomi. I mean, it really only comes down to two people. I mean, I, I guess any one of these women could walk out with the championship. Either Alexa Bliss retains, because she's one of the best things going on that show right now, or Naomi wins the belt back that she never really lost in her hometown of Orlando. Um, I got to go Naomi. I mean, it's on the kickoff show. It doesn't really matter that much, but I, I'll go with Naomi just because it'll be a cool moment. She never lost the championship. So I, I think Naomi wins here. Uh, I agree. Do you, do you think that um, they should have had the match at Mania with the five and all of a sudden Naomi comes out like a, like a surprise as opposed to announcing that she's going to be in the match on Sunday? Yeah, no, I thought that was a bit weird. I, I, I saw a lot of people speculating on that um, on Twitter last night, the fact that they should have held off on, you know, until Sunday for Naomi to return in the match itself to get the big pop. I mean, I guess at this point, people now know she will be in the match. And I don't know if the fact that it's on the kickoff changed anything. Like, okay, you know, the match 
just because it's on the kickoff, we want to we want to advertise Naomi so people watch it. Like right. if, if people would have seen it anyway, but you know what I'm saying? Like, um, like oh my god, Naomi's back. Let's watch the match, and she might win it. I'm not exactly sure. Um, I, I would have held off until Mania, but maybe they just wanted to advertise her in advance just because it, it is on the kickoff, and they didn't want to you know have people miss out because it's not a newsworthy kickoff show. I don't know. I, I thought they I, I thought they missed the boat and not bringing her back on Sunday. The Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal, uh, as of right now, they, they added a whole lot of people last night on SmackDown. Um, <laughs> Mojo Rowley, Apollo Crews, Big Show, Kurt Hawkins, Braun Strowman, Goldust, R-Truth, Primo, Epico, Curtis Axel, Bo Dallas, Jinder Mahal, Sami Zayn, Fandango, Tyler Breeze, Dolph Ziggler, Rhino, Slater, Jason Jordan, Gable, The Usos, Mark Henry, Sin Cara, Titus O'Neil, uh, The Ascension, Callisto, and the Vaude villains. Yeah. Who you got? I mean, out of all those people, you can eliminate probably 25 of them because they're all losers, obviously. Um, but that being said, I think it comes down to Strowman or Sami Zayn. Yeah. I think Big Show and Strowman might be the final two, but I would not count out Sami because remember him and Strowman had that long-running rivalry. I thought it might culminate with him winning the Rumble by taking out Strowman. Obviously, it did not even come close to happening. But they could do that here if they wanted to, and Strowman would be okay because he's not really getting beat. He already got beat by Roman anyway, not like it matters. Um, so, I mean, Big Show winning would be a waste. He already won two years ago. So it's either Strowman or Zane. I'm going to go Strowman, but it would not surprise me if Sammy won by lastly taking out Strowman. It would be a cool moment, so I'll go with uh, Strowman winning that. Um, I want to go a little different. I think... Um... Like you say, it'll come down to show Strowman, Sami Zayn. I think, you know, maybe Sami Zayn can win in, in, in favor, not favor, and just like, you know, for doing it for Mick Foley because Mick Foley got fired a couple of weeks ago on Raw and just kind of just give him something to, to, to bounce up on uh, on Raw the following weeks and, um, and kind of build something again with Strowman. If Strowman wins, I'm not surprised. But I think Sami Zayn can win here. Um, you said Big Show won last. No, Baron Corbin won last year. Big Show uh, the year before that, and Cesaro won. So last year a heel won it. Maybe this. Maybe this time uh, a good guy wins it. And I think Sami Zayn will be that guy. Yeah, I didn't even really think about that. I have not really thought about that. Big Show won when he won too. He was a heel. And when Cesaro won, he was still technically a heel, too. Yeah, it was teetering, So, yeah. technically, what was that? No, I'm saying, like, Cesaro was a, a tweener. He was in a tag team still. Yeah, well, yeah, the, the, he was still a heel at the time because they, they kept him with Heyman, which I still think is dumb because that killed any momentum he had. He should have yeah. been babyface after that, but whatever. Um, but still, I mean, we have not yet had a babyface win it, so... I didn't even really think about that, but now that you say that, I'm, I'm still going to say Strowman, but Zane winning in my mind is now a lot more likely. Cruiserweight Championship, Neville, Austin Aries still on the pre-show. Does the king of uh, Cruiserweights retain, or does Double A Austin Aries win the match? What I like about this match, I mean, there's a lot of things I like about this match. The bills, the people in it, it's the biggest match they can possibly do right now with the Cruiserweights. Aries is great. Neville's great. So I'm looking forward to this match probably more than anything else in the show. Um, I know it's not even on the main show. I'm looking forward to it probably more than anything else in the main card. But that said, though, the best part about this match is that it's not really predictable. 
Um, you, you could have Neville win. Aries is fine. I mean, it's, it's Austin Aries. If Aries wins, you, you can continue the feud with Neville getting his rematch at some point, maybe winning the belt back. Either way, I mean, it's, it's a win-win. I'll go with Aries just because, first of all, no one else is going to take out Neville but Austin Aries. It's really a matter of when and not if Aries wins the championship. Um, but I think it would be cool if he won the championship on this show. I mean, I guess it's the first Mania from Neville, too, but I was going to say Aries, WrestleMania debut, um, and it would be a cool match. It's going to be a great match, I'm sure, if, they get, if they're given enough time. But, yeah, I'll go with Austin Aries winning the belt, though. I would go with Neville. I'm a fan of him being a heel. Uh, I think it's too early for Austin Aries to win the match or, or to win the championship. And I, I would like to see how this heel Neville can continue down the road. Maybe SummerSlam, he could drop the belt. But I think it's too early for him to drop the belt and too quick for Austin Aries to win it. So I will, you have Aries. I got Neville. Um, so, yeah, what we got next? All right, let's go with uh, Dean Ambrose, Baron Corbin, Intercontinental Championship. I will go with Baron Corbin. Who you got? I mean, it's got to be Corbin. Same thing with, the, with with these guys. It's really a matter of when and not if Corbin wins the championship. But that said, though, I mean, they really think they'd be missing out on a huge opportunity to have Corbin win here on the one-year anniversary of his debut in WWE on the main roster. He's been riding a wave of momentum for months now. He's got to win. I mean, Ambrose is good, but it's like he does nothing for me as champion. As challenger, maybe. So if they kind of do this title change, the switcheroo of the title, they put the belt on Corbin, have Ambrose chase it for a while, might be even a better feud than it is right now. Um, but yeah, Corbin winning here only to win it at like SmackDown the next week or the next pay-per-view to me would be dumb. And SmackDown does not typically make those type of mistakes. So I'm going to say Corbin wins the championship. So I guess we're both in agreement with there uh, with that match. Baron Corbin uh, looking to walk out of WrestleMania as the Intercontinental Champion. Um, triple Threat ladder match for the Raw Tag Team Titles: uh, the Gallows and Anderson against Enzo and Big Cass against Cesaro and Sheamus. Who you got? I'm now more infinitely excited for this match than I was a week ago, just because ladders are involved, and I sound like a complete mark for saying that, but. I mean, it is random that the ladder match stipulation was added, but, I mean, no one gave a shit about this match before they added a stipulation. So, um, yeah, no, I think it's going to be a good match. I mean, none of these guys are real ladder specialists, but it, it should be a good match, though. In terms of who comes out on top, Cesaro and Sheem has been there, done that. I mean, club retaining would be fine. I think Enzo and Cass, they've been building to them, winning the championships. And we talked about it, you know, a couple months back with Enzo and Cass saying, you know, we've never won championships anywhere nxt on raw wherever so we've never been champions before the moment kind of writes itself the story kind of writes itself they'll win the championships which i think is good uh they've kind of lost a lot of luster in recent months but i think giving the championships to these guys as like the opener to wrestlemania i think it'd be uh kind of help them regain their momentum a bit so i'll go to enzo and cast new champs um i agree i i just think it's it's that time um for them to get a big push and even though it took a while for Gallows and Anderson to win the tag titles, I think it's even more so for uh, for Enzo and Big Cass. So we're both in agreement. Enzo and Cass should be walking out as the uh, tag team champions for for Raw. Um, John Cena, Nikki Bella, Miz, Maurice in a mixed tag team match. This is the match that I've been looking forward to for quite some time just because of the build, the promos, Miz TV, the back and forth, Total Divas, Total Bellas. Um very interesting uh, dynamic with all four of these uh, performers and just a match a match that 
at first you're like, uh, oh, John Cena, Nikki Bella, Miz, Marines, but now you're like, oh man, the Miz going at John Cena in the promo, John Cena going back at him over the past few SmackDowns, and Nikki and Maurice, you kind of just don't know if they don't really like each other in real life. Uh, very interesting dynamic. But I think John Cena and Nikki are going to win this match, even though I would love for the Miz and Maurice to win it. But I think it's Cena and, and, and Nikki Bella's night. Who do you have? Yeah, I got to agree. This has probably been, other than Rollins and H, and maybe Aries and Neville, the best built match on anything on the entire card. I mean, which shocks the hell out of me to say that just because it's a mixed tag team match with Cena and Nikki and Miz and Maurice. But the build's been great. What they did last night was a fantastic final sell for the match. The Miz TV stuff, the impersonations, the promos, the shooting on SmackDown, on Miz TV, on Talking Smack, whatever has been just phenomenal. Uh, not to take away from AJ, but I thought the build to this match was brilliant. That said, Cena and Nikki are winning. There's like no question about it. I think Miz and Maurice winning would be cool. I mean, I think regardless of who wins, Cena proposes to Nikki. I said that months ago. I said this years ago that he would eventually propose to Nikki. They're not gonna. They're not gonna do total divas and not have Cena propose to Nikki at some point because that's been the entire central focus of the storyline of the entire show dating back to season one four or five years ago. So I think it happens at WrestleMania. They take time off to go get married, whatever, or whenever it's going to happen. And I feel I, I heard Cena's taking time off anyway. I, I, like I said, you can have Miz and Maurice win and then still do that big moment with Cena and Nikki because it won't matter. Um, but I think they'll probably win. So I got Cena and Nikki winning there. So what, John Cena's going to have the wedding ring in his jean short pocket the whole night? <laughs> it sounds like it. Uh, who else we got here? Fatal four-way elimination match for the Raw Women's Championship. Bailey, Charlotte, Sasha Banks, Nia Jax. Uh, I think this is a match that can really go either way. Um, you know, obviously, do you want to see Charlotte as a champion again? Probably not, but she could win it. Sasha Banks could win it, but could we see a heel turn? I would love that. Bailey could retain, but I probably won't be a fan of that. And Nia Jax is the the wild card here where, you know, she got inserted to the match, I think, last week by, by beating Bailey, And now we got a fatal four-way. Now it's an elimination match for the Raw Women's Championship. I'm not too sure yet. I think Bailey might walk out as champion. Well, love a Sasha Hill turn um, that night. Where do you think this match goes? I'm going to say Bailey. Like you said, I'm intrigued. I mean, the build of the match has not been great just because they've been trading the title God knows how many times in the past six, seven months of these three women. Not really Nia, but Nia's been in the conversation too. And I'm glad they added the elimination stipulation because I really did not care for the involvement of Nia in this match, but they can get her out there early. They can take her out the first five minutes that they want to, so I'm fine with that. Uh, so the match should be good. I mean, Charlotte as champion again, it's like been there, done that, don't want to see that again. Hopefully it does not happen on Sunday. And they already broke her streak anyway, so it doesn't even matter on pay-per-view. So it really only comes down to Sasha and Bailey, And no matter who wins, they're going to continue the feud uh, coming out of WrestleMania. I don't think she turns her, I don't think she turns heel here. I think she'll turn heel maybe the next night on Raw, on the ever-exciting post-WrestleMania episode of Raw. So I'll go with that. Um, but I think Bailey wins here. Maybe it comes down to Bailey and Sasha. And Bailey beats Sasha. And then the next night they're teaming up, and that's when Sasha goes heel. So I'm going to say Bailey just because I already had like three or four title changes and changing hands. So I'll say uh, Bailey retains. Chris Jericho, Kevin Owens, U.S. 
championship match. Former best friends, no longer to be. Who do you have, man? I think Kevin Owens. Yeah, I gotta say Kevin Owens. I know Jericho's not leaving for another month after WrestleMania, so I think he will be around for the post Mania pay per view at Payback. That doesn't necessarily mean that he'll lose here, because he could always lose at another time. Again, but I think the time to do it is now. Owens literally just got beat in twenty seconds by Goldberg in the main event of a pay per view. He's got to regain some of that steam um, by winning the U.S. Championship. So uh, it should be a really good match again. Given uh, if given enough time, they could really steal the show on the main card. Um, so I'm going to say Owens walks out the new U.S. champion. You mentioned payback, and just a sidebar real quick. Um, so payback is the the next pay-per-view for anybody, Raw or SmackDown. That will be the end of April. But as I'm looking, I don't know if this is wrong, but after that, they got it um, for the SmackDown brand. It's supposed to be Backlash. But... I thought they had backlash like in September. So they're having a, a second backlash again. That's crazy. It sounds like it, it seems like they're moving backlash to where it used to be right after WrestleMania. And I think they're either getting, they're getting rid of the September pay-per-view for, uh, for SmackDown or they're just going to replace it with something else. Cause they like brought black, they brought back black, bad blood uh, for, for the raw show as, as a raw pay-per-view in, in July, I think. Um, so they'll probably bring back like Armageddon in their judgment day or something, but yeah, it, it is backlash. They're officially selling the tickets as backlash. Yeah. So I think before we get to SummerSlam is payback backlash, for, uh, payback for raw backlash for SmackDown extreme rules for, for raw. And that'll be, mm-hmm. that'll be in June. And then July will be money in the bank. And then we get uh money to bank for SmackDown only. And then we have, um, SummerSlam in August. So, yeah, I thought it'd be. I thought it was interesting to see backlash again, where I just saw it in, in, in uh, September. Yeah, no, I guess I don't know. They're really switching up the schedule. Like I said, I guess they really want to make it a post Mania show, mm-hmm. and I think they'll probably replace it with something like they did Roadblock last year. Like they did Roadblock as a as a one off on the road to WrestleMania, and then they brought it back that same calendar year. Um, in, in December, which was not a good show again. We talked about it months ago, but yeah, so I think, and then one, one pay-per-view forgot to mention, like I said, is Bad Blood. And I think that's after Money in the Bank in July. So I think it's Payback Smackdown, or Payback Raw, um, Backlash Smackdown in May, Extreme Rules Raw in early June, uh, Money in the Bank, I, I, it might be July, I thought it was June, either way, it's, it's a Smackdown show. Bad Blood, then SummerSlam. We get Shane McMahon, AJ Styles in a regular singles match. Um, the bill for this has has been great. Um, I think I think Shane McMahon is gonna have a better match than what he had last year with Taker. Uh, I think just just an overall better performer where he can do a lot of those high flying stunts with AJ Styles. Uh, I think AJ wins, uh, and and I think AJ wins and also. Gets right up there in line for the for the for the championship on SmackDown. Probably the, at the following pay per view depends on how they go. But I got AJ all the way in this match. Who do you have? Yeah, I could see that. That's actually what I want to see happen. Um, I don't think Orton Wyatt will end at WrestleMania. They'll probably continue feuding no matter who wins, and then do a three way with AJ at Backlash or on SmackDown, whatever. That's really the only way that AJ feuding with Shane makes sense to give him a win at WrestleMania. And then to put him back in the title picture right after, 
Um, again, I mean, like you said, the build has been pretty good. I thought it peaked with the backstage, the, the parking lot brawl a couple of weeks ago. I the promo this past week was, it was good. Not great, but I thought it was pretty good. Um, and like you said, like, there's no question this match will be far better than whatever the hell, you know, Shane's match last year was with, with Undertaker inside Hell in the Cell. But, um, yeah, no, I think it, it could be a good match. There's no stipulation. They made that pretty clear on Tuesday. It's a standard singles match. But I still think AJ could get a good match out of Shane. So, I mean, AJ has to win. He has to win. I know Shane, he lost last year, but so did AJ. AJ lost his WrestleMania debut. That's bad enough. For him to go 0-2 to a Mania and to lose to Shane would be embarrassing. And for people saying, oh, why would he lose to Shane? It makes no sense. I mean, this is the same company that had Jericho beat AJ last year, which is, well, whatever. But, like, the year before that, they had Triple H beat Sting in his WrestleMania debut. So, again, this company, you can never put anything past them. So I'm going to say um, hopefully AJ wins. That's, that's all I can really say. And everybody's favorite, Roman Reigns against The Undertaker. Um, now, this match can definitely go either way. It depends of what direction they want to go. Do, do they want to try to build Reigns as... If they're going to have Reigns win and try to build him as a good guy, that's not going to happen because everybody in that or, uh, that stadium is going to boo Roman Reigns. But, like you said, it's the company. If they, if they know what they want and, and that's... The, that's the, the direction they want to go into. They're going to have Reigns beat Taker. Now, <clears throat> can Taker win the match? Absolutely. But now it's like if Taker wins, what do you do with Reigns going forward? What, is, what do you do with Taker going forward? If if, if Taker is, is not going to perform at the following pay-per-view, two or three, or SummerSlam, then I think the best bet to do is to give the match to Reigns and try to build him maybe a tweener and not a full-fledged heel, but he's been doing that stuff on the microphone where he's talking a little different, little attitude, even with Shawn Michaels a few weeks back on Raw. And, you know, he's kind of embracing that kind of, like that kind of bad guy role, but I'm still a, I'm still the guy. I'm, you know, this is my yard stuff. And um, I think Reigns wins, but I won't be shocked if Taker, if Taker wins. But the big question is, Regardless of what happens, how many WrestleMania matches does The Undertaker have left? None. I think this is his last. I know we say that every single year. At least people speculate that this is last the, the last WrestleMania for Undertaker. But I honestly think this is it. Um, I think he should have closed it out, honestly, in my opinion, five years ago at WrestleMania 28. I thought that was the absolute perfect send-off with him in Triple H, inside Hell in the Cell. He had Shawn Michaels there. They had that great final visual of the two, uh, all three of them looking back at the ring. He went 20. No, it was perfect. It was just, it was perfect. So I would have ended it there. And then he had the match with Plunk, which was great. The match with Lesnar sucked. And then the streak ended. The Wyatt match was not worth coming back for. The Shane match was even worse. And now you have this match. I think the match could be good. I mean, Roman Reigns is in far better shape than Shane is at this point, needless to say. Um, But regarding the outcome... I think this is Taker's last WrestleMania. Therefore, Roman will win. I wouldn't do that. What I want to see, I want to see Taker win and then have Reigns attack him afterwards. Um, I think Taker's last Mania should have been with Cena. Obviously, I don't. Vince changed his mind. It's really the only reason why they didn't do that match uh, this year. And last year, I know Cena got injured. That's why they didn't do it last year either. But no, I think, I think Taker loses. He leaves. And Reigns wins, and they put Reigns over as the next conquering hero, even though people hate the guy. So, again, it makes no sense on paper. It's like, oh, why would you put the guy over as a top face if people are booing him? Because they've been doing this for years. They have not changed their approach at all. If they were going to change their approach, they would have turned him heel years ago. So 
necessarily. What I would want to see, Taker winning, but it's like, oh, how could you bury the current generation? We'll attack him afterwards, and then he goes heel. But they're not going to do that. They're, I don't think they're ever going to turn him heel at this point, at least not anytime soon. So I think Roman Reigns, I, I think Roman Reigns wins and Taker leaves for good. That's what I think is going to happen. We have Seth Rollins, Triple H, non-sanctioned match. I think Seth Rollins wins the match. And I pointed out yesterday on, on the show that I saw a tweet from at WrestleRap, and they and they they made it. They make a pretty good point where since it's non-sanctioned, could we possibly see Seth Rollins not only win the match, but can he win the match by using the curb stomp on Triple H? Yes. Yes, absolutely. I said that weeks ago. I called that. I called my shot a couple of weeks ago. I said that was something I would absolutely love to say. All right. I mean, it's it's a hold harmless agreement. It makes perfect sense. Um, I don't know why. I mean, I know why they wouldn't do it. The reason why they banned it in the first place. But I think for a one night thing, and I don't know if we talked about it on your show or if it was somewhere else. I don't know. But I think you can use that move. And I mean, when, when they banned it, I think Rollins talked about it himself. It's not the last you'll see of the move. I think he said, so I could see them doing something similar to the punt kick where Orton used that all the time. And they banned that because it was a threat to the head or something, even though we never made contact, whatever. Um, and Orton still busts that out from time to time. So maybe they bring it out for this one occasion, which would be pretty incredible. But he also has to hit the pedigree. Like if he hits the pedigree in Triple H, people will go crazy. So just because it's Triple H's own move, and maybe Triple H kicks out, and then he goes for the ped- or then he goes to the curb stomp and wins that way. That'd be amazing. So again, could we see it? Yeah, the chances aren't good. I would love to see it. I would go crazy in the arena if that happened. But um, either way, I think Rollins will win, and he has to win again. Triple H winning would just accomplish nothing. Rollins is finally finally getting over as the baby face that he should have been from day one right. as like the badass superhero. Right. So I think this feud has been great. And if he lost here, that would kill any momentum he had. And I know triple H, I would not put it past the guy to have him win because he needs sting again, two years ago. I know sting and Rollins are two different people, but you never know this company. So Rollins should win. And I think he will win. And this is where we get to, we get to the championship matches. We don't know. We know, 95% one of them is going to be the main event. We don't know where the other one is going to be on the card, but Bray Wyatt, Randy Orton, WWE Championship match for, for SmackDown. Does Bray Wyatt remain champion, uh, or does Randy Orton once again become champion? I think Orton wins it. That's the kind of the story they've been telling with these guys. Wyatt won that initial encounter back in October, No Mercy. Not that it wouldn't make any sense if he retained here, but I think the story they've been telling with Orton getting back revenge, getting revenge back on Bray. He's got, I mean, not that he has to win. I just think he will win. He doesn't need it. I think Wyatt's going to be fine either way, but it just, I mean, I know why they're going to put the belt on Orton, but they did such a good job in making Bray relevant, relevant again. I mean, we talked about it here on your show six months ago. The fact they've been just completely wasting this guy away, Bray Wyatt, for God knows how many years. A year ago, he was being called the eater of hot pockets by the rock in the middle of the ring, which did nothing to, to help him whatsoever. It's a complete waste of time. The year before that, he got beat by Cena, or the, he got beat by Taker. The year before that, he, get, he got beat by Cena. You know, WrestleMania has not always been Bray Wyatt's best pay-per-view. So hopefully that streak breaks at WrestleMania. I don't think it will, though. Um, but, I mean, they had him pin Cena clean at Chamber. He pinned AJ clean at Chamber. He pinned Cena clean two days later on SmackDown. Like, they did Bray just a, a lot of favors going to WrestleMania. And he... 
I don't think he's lost a mania. He's, he has not lost a match on pay-per-view with the exception of the rumble since like, I don't know, backlash or something, which was a while ago. So it just, it makes me sad. They're probably gonna have him lose, but I think he will. And Orton walks out the new champion. I think Bray Wyatt wins. I think, um, like you said, they did, they took him, it took him a while to get relevant, uh, putting him in a championship match. They put the belt on him. I think first time in, ever that he became champion or was even put in a, in, a, in a championship match outside of the Money to Bank ladder match he had a few years ago. But now it's like, you know, why would you derail that momentum he has just to get the belt back to Orton? And I, I, I'm, I'm a big Orton fan too, but I think going forward, the, the storyline of Bray as champion can benefit him more than benefiting Randy. And the kind of matches that Bray can have with the Miz or AJ Styles or John Cena, Dean Ambrose, Baron Corbin down the road and, and defending his championship. Um, that would be something I would want to see. Uh, I've seen Orton champion uh, so many times. So to, just to keep along with what SmackDown is doing, uh, different people be, be uh, becoming champions, uh, different opportunities for, 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 for wrestlers and to keeping the belt on Bray, how they do it, I don't know, but I think, I think he should walk out of Mania as a champion because there's so much untapped potential with him as champion that you haven't you haven't seen yet. No, I completely agree. I mean, again, in theory, I mean, I think he would keep the belt on Bray. But again, I just knowing this company, I think Orton's going to win. Um, but there is just so much more you could do with Wyatt as champion, him and Styles. I mean, don't even get me started. That'd be a great match. You can go back to him and Harper as a championship program. And speaking of Harper, if Wyatt wins on Sunday... Maybe Harper helps him win. I know we just saw him turn on Wyatt, but they did that thing on Tuesday where Harper was going to put him away, but Wyatt was like still controlling him, which was weird, but maybe it was meant to plant the seeds for a reunion. Like Harper realizes he's nothing without Bray and they get back together. And I know Rowan's good to go. He should be clear to, he is clear to compete. They're just waiting to bring him back any day now. So hopefully he'll be back at some point. Maybe the Wyatt family reunites and that's what takes out Orton and, you know, Orton's playing back by That would actually be pretty fitting. Because Wyatt's Orton, you know, Orton's plan all along, rather, has been to break up the Wyatt family. And maybe Wyatt reveals that it's been a ruse all along uh-huh. and that, in fact, the Wyatt family's stronger than ever. So I think that'd be pretty cool. And that'd be a great way to get one over on, on Orton, and it would protect Orton in defeat. So that would be the way that I would book it. Again, I don't expect that to happen. I expect Orton to win. So I hope Wyatt wins, though. Yeah, I don't. I don't know what Luke Harper is doing. Uh, I don't see his name in the Battle Royal. So to not even have him in the mix on the card for anything like, is, is a little shocking, don't you think? Definitely, that's what I'm saying. And now that you say that, I think uh, I think there's only one spot left in the Battle Royal. Um, I think people. I think someone counted it up and they saw that there were 29 names. They might add someone like a. I don't know some rain like a Joe. Right? Even Samoa Joe, I could see him getting involved in the Triple H Rollins match. I mean, I guess they could throw in Harper at the last minute, um, but I think his absence from the match is telling, and that means he might get involved in this match. I guess we'll have to wait and see. Hey, if we see Joe in that match, I'm pretty sure we see Finn too, right? In the Battle Royal? No, and like in, in trying to, if Joe's going to go out there and try to help Triple H, then like we can kind of see Finn help out Seth Rollins. Oh, yeah. Yeah, totally. I think that's that's how they would bring back Finn. I mean, I don't think... You can't have Joe and Triple H beat up on Rollins and then have Rollins still win. Like, that would make no sense. And I mean, I guess it still makes no sense. I, I think I said it a couple of weeks ago, but 
Finn and Seth, I mean, they were they were enemies when when Finn got hurt. I mean, he was a lot. Seth Rollins is the reason why Finn is hurt in storyline, and actually in reality too. So for them to reunite on WrestleMania would make little sense, even though that Finn, even though that Seth is a babyface now. But uh-huh. as long as it gets Finn back into the fold and it evens the odds, it, that's all that really matters. So I'll excuse that one logic gap for one show. And of course, the main event, the main event we've all been waiting for. Um, 12 years in the making at WrestleMania. Sorry, 13 years. Uh, Goldberg, Brock Lesnar, Universal Championship. Question is, how long do you think this match goes? Don't even give me a winner, but how long do you think this match goes? Three, five, seven minutes? Are we going to get a a 10-minute Matt Classic between Goldberg and Brock Lesnar? Between the two up-and-comers, Bill and Brock, uh, yeah. I don't think this goes beyond uh, five minutes. I'd be wow. shocked. I mean, th- again, they paint th- themselves into a corner because it shouldn't go beyond five minutes. But the problem is it's the main event. It's the match that everyone paid to see. So you can have a main event go five minutes. It's like, yeah. Uh, but can you then, then again, can you expect them to go ten minutes considering that the combined age of these guys is over 100 years old? <laughs> I mean, not really, but it's close to that. So. Oh. That's that's the real issue they run into here, but I don't think it exceeds five minutes. That's crazy. Um, I think I think we both have Brock Lesnar winning this match. Um, I just don't see how do you keep the belt on. I'm typing as, as we do this. Um, I don't see how you can keep the belt on Goldberg past WrestleMania. Because then it's like, all right. Then it's, then it's like Brock Lesnar's, he can't beat Goldberg. And if, if Brock is going to beat Goldberg, this got to be the time to do it. Um, Goldberg has Brock's number, Survivor Series, um, WrestleMania 20, the Royal Rumble, throwing him out, spearing him last week on Raw. It's like, oh, my God, Goldberg is untouchable. Like, oh, my, really? A 50-year-old man is untouchable. So I think Brock wins, but they got to have a match where it's not strictly in the ring. They can fight outside and, you know, they can do it before the bell even rings and do what they got to do outside. Take it, take it inside the ring, do a couple of jackhammers and spears and, and F5s. You know, they probably kick out of each other's moves to get the crowd hype. And I think when it's all said and done, I'm, I'm hoping, I'm not saying give me 10 minutes, but don't just give me five. If it's the main event, Give me seven. Give me a little wrestling in between that can be like, oh man, all right. They they gave us they gave us seven minutes as opposed to a minute and change at, at Survivor Series. So um, can they do it? I think it all depends on 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 Goldberg. I think Brock can go there, can go in there and give me 10, 15 minutes if he wanted to. But I think this all really depends on on Goldberg, how much he can last in the ring, how far he can go. Um, they both pretty much healthy i'm looking at i'm looking at it right now and uh you know brock lesnar went 22 minutes with seth rollins and and john cena at at the royal rumble in that triple threat match so brock can go he ain't going 20 minutes with goldberg i know that and i'm trying to find out how how long he went with, with reigns at 31 he went they went they went 15 minutes so give or take give me seven minutes of of, of Brock Goldberg, I'll take it, and then put the belt on, on Brock Goldberg. We don't know if this is going to be his final match. I think this is, this is the last uh, event on the contract. We'll see what happens, but I think it's, 
I think it's Brock's time to become champion again. Oh, easily. I mean, I think Brock winning here is pretty much, you know, it, it pretty much writes itself. I mean, you can't have him lose again. I mean, if, they're, if they were going to have Goldberg be the one guy that Brock never beat, then why would you do a rematch in the first place? Like, I get if you wanted to do the thing at Survivor Series and then move on. Like, Brock can't beat Goldberg. Okay. Twice you can't beat him. But to do it a third time, Brock's a loser at that point. He's a loser. He's a loser. No one's going to, I mean, I know he's still a bigger star than anyone else in the roster for the most part, but it just would make no sense. So Brock has to win. Goldberg's probably, probably leaving. Um, and if they want to have him come back to do a one match deal every now and again, that's fine. I honestly could not really care less. It depends how they use him. But um, no, yeah, I think Brock has to win. It's really just how. I mean, you can do a, a seven-minute match. I'm not saying it needs to be like all chain wrestling or anything like that. But, I mean, like you said, Reigns and Lesnar at WrestleMania 31, which was also on this day, another anniversary from two years ago. One of the, my, I, I think probably my favorite WrestleMania of all time. That WrestleMania was great. Oh, wow. Uh, but that match was, well, it was, like you said, it was, 15, it was 15 minutes long. But it wasn't a chain wrestling. It wasn't a Matt Classic. Like, Brock beat the crap out of Reigns for 15 minutes with all the suplexes and the Reigns battle back. You can do something similar here. Brock can beat the crap out of Goldberg or vice versa. And then the other one battles back. It doesn't need to be a wrestling match. Like, you could... But, I mean, it could really just be big spots, and you can spread it out in a way that it, it, it comes out to a seven-minute match. To do another 90-second match is a slap in the face to anyone who bought this damn pay-per-view. Again. Like, to do it at Survivor Series, I'm, I'm still not a fan, but if you want to do that, that's okay. To do it in the main event of WrestleMania would be a joke. They, they, even if Brock wins, it would be a joke. It's, they got to give us at least a 10-minute match, I think, is, is asking. I mean, 15 minutes is asking a lot. 10 minutes is okay. Five is just a joke. So, again, I, I hope, it, like you said, it's seven to ten minutes at the very least. But either way, Brock walks out new champion. I don't see a scenario where Goldberg wins here, especially after what happened on Monday this week. I think what's funny is that, uh, before we wrap up, you're going to have a lot of people at home in the arena take out their phones to the, to, to the stopwatch. Once that bell <laughs> rings, everybody's going to time this match to see how long they can go. I think that's the one fascinating thing to, to to see that this match is not about the wrestling; it's about the time. And if this if this wasn't the main event, I wouldn't care about the time. You can do a three minute mm-hmm. match if this was right right dab in the middle. But all signs point to this match being the main event, and this is what you build up. I wouldn't say for the entire year, but this is the match you build up to be. The, the 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 culmination, the climax of what you did the whole entire year and build of what you're gonna be doing the following night and so on and so forth. So um I'm not I'm not much of a big fan of the current Goldberg uh, you know championship reign. Um I think the way the company has been fascinated with, with, with him all of a sudden he's untouchable. I I get it. If this was if this was if this was nineteen ninety seven, I get it. But we're in twenty seventeen He's fifty. He's he's untouchable. Brock Lesnar, the guy you built up two years ago by beating Taker and Rollins and Cena and all, and all this stuff, he can't get one lick, one finger on Goldberg. But I think Sunday will be the time for Brock, and we're probably going to be headed for Brock Reigns down the road, SummerSlam, WrestleMania. What they do with Goldberg, I have no idea. But I I, I want Goldberg to, you know. Going in, give us five minutes. Give us something. Surprise us. Surprise us. Because when he was doing this in, in WCW, and he had that one match with like Raven, I was like, oh, 
Goldberg can wrestle. Like it was all right. It was like five minutes, but I'm like, give me, give me that. I'll take that because, but you know, don't, don't make the fans go home unhappy seeing that main event go for like a minute. That's that's one thing you don't want to do. You don't want to insult their intelligence going forward because they know Brock can go ten minutes. Goldberg, I don't know, man, but we both got Brock. Um, you'll be at WrestleMania. You'll be at NXT. You'll be at Access. I hope you, I hope you have a, a great time, man. Uh, so you won't be at the Hall of Fame, right? That is correct. I could have gone to the Hall of Fame if I wanted to because it's on Friday. We get there early Friday. Right. And it's at the Amway Center, the same place where uh, TakeOver will be on Saturday, where Raw and SmackDown will be next week, too. Damn. But I was told, I mean, I kind of figured this, too. Hall of Fame, I mean, unless you really, really, really want to go, it's kind of not a waste, but it's not a great experience. You're sitting there for two, three hours listening to speeches the entire time, which is cool. Uh-huh. And I can't, I'm, I'm actually looking, I'm looking forward to the Hall of Fame, like his Cornette's going to be there, Bischoff's going to be there, Angle's going to be there. It's going to be a great Hall of Fame. But to sit there and stand up every five minutes to clap to me is not all that, it's not worth 50 bucks or whatever the tickets are worth. So I uh, know I will not be at the Hall of Fame. I will be watching it at the hotel, though. I'm excited for it. WrestleMania this Sunday. You can find Graham on Twitter at WrestleRant, his work at, at Bleacher Report. You can follow me on Twitter at Randy J. Cruz, R-E-N-D-Y, the letter J-C-R-U-Z. If you heard the beginning of the show, we put out the trivia question for you to answer us on Twitter. Uh, so if you want to win a free wrestling DVD, if you know the answer, hit us up. Randy J. Cruz, WrestleRant on Twitter. Graham, enjoy Orlando. Enjoy WrestleMania. And I know we'll be on next week reviewing WrestleMania, bro. Thanks, my man. I appreciate it. When we're back on the show here next week, I'm sure my voice will be completely shot. Yeah. Just a uh, just a forewarning. I will be just beyond dead coming out of WrestleMania week, and not just let alone the travel, but just mania itself. Good or bad show, I'm going to try to enjoy it. So I appreciate it, brother. And I'll talk to you next week. I'll catch you on the road. All right, man. Take it easy. Adios. All right.